0: Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. It's great, great to see you. You came back. I'm so glad. I thought maybe some of you wouldn't come back after last week at changing the church's name and all that stuff, but you came back. Thank you. That's a little bit of a... A little bit of a joke. We, we're having a great time hearing from God and learning the vision that God's putting in our hearts in this season. And welcome to church. If you're new to us, you're just so welcome here. So glad that you've come. And for those of us who've been a part of the house for many years, we know that uh, God's done something really significant here in this place, generation after generation. And we're just about to step into our 99th year, and God isn't done yet. Amen. Good things happening everywhere, and we're really excited. I uh, started last week talking about vision. I'm going to continue on with some vision this week. Last week, we looked at a few really key thoughts that I want to remind you of as we go into this week, and that was uh, the difference between renewal and revival, because we really feel like we're in a renewal season, and renewal is making old things new, and revival is bringing dead things back to life. And the reason why that distinction is so important is because I truly believe that in seasons of renewal, God's intention is revival. Amen? God wants to move us uh, into a spiritual renewal, not just a a physical renewal of this building or this space. So last week we talked about being a vessel, a new wineskin where new wine could be poured into. And this week I want to give you an example from the scripture of kind of how to form that type of vessel. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the story of Ezra. And Ezra is strategically placed... in in your Bible, um, alongside of Nehemiah and Esther. And these three together really make up um, a group of scripture that are about the exile. And about the return from exile. So, at a certain season in the history of Israel, uh, they rebelled against God, they were disobedient, and they were carried off by the Babylonians into Babylon, and there they stayed for many, many years. But at a certain time, they returned. And Ezra is a story of return, it's a story of renewal. It's a time in which Israel's history is being reborn. There's a return, there's a renewal. There's even a reconstruction. Sounds kind of like us. Coming out of COVID, people returning, and then beyond returning, there's a sense of renewal. And there's even reconstruction going on around here. I don't know how many of you have been through to the atrium, but you can see that beautiful new space as we've talked about. God is doing a reconstruction, a renewal uh, in the midst of this return. And so we're very, very thankful for that. So I'm going to start in Ezra chapter one, verse one. We're going to kind of look at the storyline of Ezra today. So let's read the first verse. In the first year of King of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation, throughout his realm, and also to put it in writing. So this verse is important because it, it, it gives us a picture of a prophecy that came from Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, um, in the 29th chapter, verse 11, you might be familiar with that verse. It's the one that says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to, to bless you, to prosper you, to give you future and hope. Does anybody know that verse? You ever seen it like on a greeting card or on a t-shirt or in the back of someone's Bible or or maybe it came as a, a gift verse to you and it's a very special verse and we apply it very widely, but its context is important. Its context was there is a people who have been carried off to Babylon sitting alongside the rivers of Babylon weeping over all that they've been lost and people were saying, oh, don't worry, we're going to go right back. It's going to be right back into everything. And Jeremiah says, listen, I want you to understand, God does have a plan. It's for your good, not to harm you. But understand this, you're going to be in exile for 70 years. 70 years. And that's exactly right. They were in 70 years of isolation in Babylon. We had 70 weeks of isolation. They had 70 years of isolation. But there are some parallels in the storyline. Because one of the things that Jeremiah says to them is, I want you to wait well. There's a prophetic word that you're going to return, but I need you to wait well. We need you to settle in and wait well. And then you know what? God has spoken some really beautiful words, if you will, over this house. God is speaking to us as a church family about what's to come. But listen, I want to encourage you, wait well. You know, the scriptures tell us that um, even if the vision is um, not yet here, if it tarries, the scripture says, wait for it, even though it's not quite here yet, because it will come. Amen? It will come. So wait well. That's one of the encouragements that Jeremiah gave to them. And so Ezra opens up the book by saying, remember what Jeremiah said? This is the story of that prophecy actually coming true. And so, you know, uh, let's read on about God's great timing in this moment. Verse two, this is what Cyrus, king of Persia says, the Lord, the God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem and may their God be with them. That's the good news. It's finally happening. Now you're welcome to go back. Everybody who wants to go, you should go, and that will be great. Come on, go on back. Now, this is interesting because one king takes them hostage and takes them to Israel, or to Babylon. And during that time, the temple is destroyed. The wall is turned down. The city is leveled. It's a total mess. And then for 70 years, that city is pillaged. Anything good was taken out of it. And that was Nebuchadnezzar. But now there's a new king. It was Babylonian, now it's Persian. And this king, Cyrus, says, I want my greatness to be seen differently. Nebuchadnezzar's greatness was in collecting. My greatness will be in distributing. And you can see there's an artifact that's called Cyrus's cylinder. It's a round artifact that has all this old ancient Persian writing on it that tells the story of the greatness, the manifesto of King Cyrus. And it was to send all the people back. And so that's exactly what happened. King Cyrus sent them back. And the interesting thing is a hundred years before Cyrus was king, Isaiah in Isaiah 45 writes about a guy named Cyrus who's going to come and he's going to be the one who's going to begin to bring a new day to the people of Israel, bringing this new day exactly in a hundred years from now. It's amazing. You can look at that in Isaiah 45. This is the time. The time is this story. We're reading about it right now. And the interesting thing is, something really special happens. Not only are they sent back, but they're sent back with blessing, they're sent back with help from other people. Here's what verse 4 says And any locality where survivors may now be living. The people are to provide them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. That's pretty cool. That's pretty amazing. I mean, if you go to um, Ezra 7, you'll see that actually it was the king who sent a bunch of gold. He basically gave Ezra a blank check and said, go ahead, do what you're going to do. Go back with blessing. And I just want to testify today, I wanna testify to how good God has been to us because did you know what? During the pandemic, Justin Trudeau blessed us King Justin, he said, here's a, here's a check for you. And I just want to say, first of all, thank you to Zenaide Faber, who is our controller. She runs all of our books here at the church. She kept her ear to the ground. She learned as much as she could. And I want you to know that we've done a $3,500,000 renovation. And $500,000, because of Zenaide's faithfulness and God's goodness, came from sweet Justin Trudeau to help us rebuild the house of God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God. And and I just want to say, I mean, it wasn't like he wrote us a check to rebuild it, but it was subsidy and grants and all that stuff. And Zanai did such a great job of finding all of that. And we are truly blessed. I just see a lot of parallels between where we are in this story of returning. So let's look now at verse 5, because it's very key. It says, Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and Levites Listen to this, I love this. Everyone whose heart God had moved prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. Everyone that the Lord had moved their heart. It's very interesting. The ESV says it this way, everyone whose spirit God had stirred. I really believe that God is stirring up some spirits in this season of renewal. I really believe that God is stirring up some hearts. Maybe you're even feeling it yourself. Your heart is moved. It's moved toward God. It's moved toward God's house. It's moved toward God's plan. And it's not just to fill a seat. You know what I mean? It's to serve. It's to give. It's to be involved. God is moving hearts, stirring hearts. And I'm so thankful. You know why? Because any vision requires some champions. You gotta have champions for the vision. And you know what? Chapter two of Ezra is all about the champions. And we're not gonna read it because it's a long list of names. So, number one, boring. And, and number two, we've got to keep moving with the sermon, okay? So just trust me, it's a list of names you won't pronounce. And even if you pronounce it, you got it wrong, okay? So, the, but that list is important. Why? Because these names are immortalized in scripture. Why? Because they showed up. They became champions for the vision. They became people who gave and served and moved across the country. You know what's interesting? is it says that it was only the people who God moved their heart that came along. Did you know that there were two million people in Babylon who were Jewish at the time? Within within the Persian empire, there were two million exiles. Only 50,000 returned at this time. Why? Because it's hard, that's why. I mean, I've been in Babylon for, for 70 years. I grew up here. I was born here. My, my children live here. My grandchildren live down the street. I'm not moving back to Jerusalem. So say, let me get this straight. What you want me to do is you want me to leave the capital city of the world, and you want me to go to rubble. No, thank you. It requires effort. And one of the things that we've learned is a rebuild, a time of renewal. It's hard work. I just want to say it is hard work, and it takes hard work. It takes effort. You know, the trip from, um, from Babylon to Jerusalem was like 1,500 kilometers. It's like walking to Saskatoon. <laughs> That's going to take you a bit of time. First, you have to swim, and then you get to walk, yeah. right? But, but the truth is it took them 10 weeks to get there. 10 weeks on roads where they could be robbed and, and where they could, they could be mishandled and mistreated. 10 weeks of travel and all different kinds of weather and all different kinds of terrain. It's actually quite an incredible journey. And so only 50,000 people went. And I'm just here to say, you know, here we are. We're back. And I want to say thank you to all of you that are here today. Welcome to those of you who are new. But how many of you know, not everybody's come back. Not everybody's made the determination to come back to church. And maybe you're watching online today, and I want to thank you for being with us. And many have not come back because of very specific reasons. Maybe there's a vulnerability, they're elderly, maybe they're immunocompromised, and this virus is still around. But others have made a choice that staying there is easier than coming here. And I get it. I understand. I mean, I realize that even in our storyline, we can see that. But about, I would say about six months ago, the Lord um, sent a friend who's a pastor in another country, he's actually in the U.S., and he called me and he said, I have a word for you and this is for your church and I want you to tell your church. And I didn't feel that I could tell you until today, but here's the word. The word was move with the movers and build with the builders. And you know, the sense that I got from the Lord was now is the time to reveal that, to share that with you. And here's why. Because the kingdom of God demands that we don't delay. We have to get moving. We have to build. We have to move. God's calling to us and there's work to be done. There's people to be reached. There's a city to love. And God is saying, now is the time. Let's move with the movers. Let's build with the builders. And here's what I've learned is that renewal requires a re-surrender. You know, I think many of us can say, like, at some point in our lives, we've surrendered our life to Jesus. Maybe that's been recently. Maybe that was a long time ago. We surrendered ourselves and said, God, use us wherever you want us. Do what you want to with us. But I'm telling you, this time of renewal, this is a time for re-surrender. God, you can have my life. God, I let go of the past, whether it's good or bad. And I say, I'm here right now, and God, you can use me. Do something with my life. This is a season of resurrender. Why? Because that's what renewal requires. God's doing something new, and it requires that people would say, I'll be a champion for the vision. I'll surrender to God. I'll give him what I have, and we'll move together into his blessing. I want to take you now to chapter 3, because as I mentioned, we're skipping all the names in chapter 2. So the first verse in Ezra 3 says this. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns. I want to pause there for just a minute. Just mark that in your mind. We'll finish the verse. The people assembled together as one in Jerusalem. So when I read this verse, it was like God just like spoke right to my heart. That first part of the verse, when the seventh month came, that's a special month. It's a Feast of Tabernacles month. And the Israelites had settled in their towns. And it's like God said to me, that's where we are. That's where we are right there. We're settled We've sorted it out. We know how to live with COVID. We know how to get restarted with things. We, we've, we all feel pretty settled now. We're kind of thinking like we're not going back to, you know, restrictions. Please, Lord. Right? Like we're feeling pretty settled right now. But I want you to know that in a time of settledness, you have two options. You can simply stay and say, oh good, I'll rebuild what I am building, or you can assemble. And that's what God is calling us to. He's calling us to assemble together. And that's what happened. They assembled together as one. I want you to know when God's bringing times of renewal, there is a breakthrough of unity. There is a breakout of unity. We're going to do this together. And I believe that even today, the Holy Spirit is touching your life to say, I'm in on this. I'm heart and soul. We're going to do something for God together. I know that's happening today. The first priority that the the exiles returning set was they set to rebuild the altar of God. God. That's what the verse says. I'm gonna read it to you. It's verse eight. We'll look at it in just a minute. But um, uh, It's verse three, actually. But before we get to verse three, I just wanna tell you, you know, it's interesting. If I went from one place to another, if I went from safety to uncertainty, I don't know that the first thing that I would build, I'm just being honest, would be an altar. I think the first thing I might build is an army, (laughs) right? Or a moat, or a wall, or a barracks, or get some weapons, put some towers up, right? I would be thinking about defending myself in this vulnerable place. But the truth is, is that they understood something that I need to learn, that we need to learn, that they were captured not by a fear of people, but by the fear of God. And they knew that God was their provision and God was their way. Look at this verse, verse three. Despite their fear of the peoples all around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both morning and evening. And friends, I just feel the Lord saying, we need the presence of God in our lives, whatever the cost. That's what an altar is. It's a place of sacrifice. It's a place where something is laid down. And as a result, the fragrance is lifted to God and the blessing of God comes down. Some of us, we just need to reorient ourselves from the fear of people to a longing for God because that's what will combat the fear. Let me just say, we live in a culture that is using the big stick of fear right now. Man, you can't turn around without offending someone. You are living in a woke culture. You are dealing with landmines wherever you step. But I want you to know there's one thing that will combat that big stick of fear, and that is the power of God and the presence of God filling your life and giving you hope and letting you know that you are safe and secure in his grip, amen? Well, we need, to, we need to celebrate the goodness of God and find ourselves in that place. You see, renewal requires a priority on prayer and on worship. It requires that. That's how we steward. That's how we form the vessel for the renewal, for the revival. I, wanna, I want you to close your eyes and I just want to read you something. I actually wrote it right into my notes. It's from my journal it was a quote from a book that I had read during my sabbatical. It's so ministered to me. I just want to share it with you. And then I'll, I'll share with you also a couple of comments that I made in my journal. And then we'll, we'll just pause for a minute because renewal requires a, a priority on prayer and on worship. Close your eyes. Would you just listen to this? Since God breathed into us the breath of life, our divinely touched dust has been honored with a standing invitation to listen for our Creator. Wow. What an honor. The sound of personal renewal is the whisper of God's voice. So listen. Listen listen for his voice seek God in the quiet place and listen because one word from God can send a wave of freshness through your whole being so Lord we listen and we are your people and we make prayer and worship a priority we lay our requests before you and we listen Lord Help us to be those kind of renewal people. Amen. You see, there are many different places where I could invite you in to make prayer and worship a priority. First Wednesdays, will start again in the fall. Sundays, is a, this is the house of prayer. We're here to worship. I want you to know every song we sing is our corporate prayer. Yeah. Did you know that? Every time we lift our voices together, that's why saying the words are important because you're joining us in prayer. You don't have to be a spectator when you come. You don't have to watch other people pray. You come and pray and we'll put the words right up there for you and you join us in prayer because those words are our prayers. I want you to join us in prayer. Tuesdays, every noontime, we have prayer. You can join us online if you can't be here in person. In our small groups, we're gonna take our prayer points from Tuesday prayer. We're gonna give them to every small group leader this fall, and we're going to ask you to choose one of those prayer points to pray into your small group. We need to be a ministry, a house of prayer. There's many other places we're going to pray in the new year. Did you know that New Year's Day is a Sunday? That's going to be fun. Let's pray that day. And also, I want to tell you that on September the 3rd, we're doing something really special. Zacky, are you here, brother? There he is right there. Zachy is um, a dear brother, and he has been for many years organizing a prayer event at Centennial Square. Um, right before school starts up again, it's on September the 3rd, which is two Saturdays away. Not this coming Saturday, but the following, from 4 to 6 p.m. And and I am along with Zachy inviting you, church, to come and pray with us. We're going to worship. We're going to pray for two hours. Uh, Zachy has a table in the back. You can talk to him some more. T-shirts that say "God Bless Victoria." We just want to pray. We want to make a statement that we want the blessing of God in our city. Some of you are going like, "That sounds scary." You You should come you should come yes let's let our voice be heard in the heavens as we gather there so those are opportunities for you to just help us put a renewal priority on prayer and on worship and you know what renewal also requires a priority on serving in verse 8 we start to see that um, that they they begin the work of rebuilding the temple in verse eight of chapter three. And in, and in Ezra, you'll see three types of builders. There's the, the spiritual builders, which are the Levites. There's the financial builders, which are the heads of family. And then there are the physical builders, which was basically everyone, including the Levites and the heads of families and and I think when we hear that and we try to translate that we go oh, okay so that's really good the spiritual leaders those are like the pastors and the prayer warriors and the the leadership team and those kind of people and the and the um the financial um, builders, those are the people with lots of money who give to kingdom builders and do those kind of things. And then we get to like the physical builders, and we're like, those are those are that's for the you know the young, strong, and people who aren't as busy as me, kind of thing, right? Can you see how we can excuse ourselves from that? But when we're in renewal, everybody is on for everything. Let me explain this to you. See, this is an old testament picture of like heads of families and Levites and everybody has their role, but I want you to know under Jesus, we get all the roles. Isn't that fun? we all get, listen, everybody in the house is a spiritual builder. Everybody in the house is a financial builder. Everybody in the house is a physical builder. So I'm saying, listen, every one of us, let's get involved. Let's give, let's serve, let's lead, let's pray, let's minister because it's a renewal season and it requires all of us. Can I get an amen? Amen. Yeah, that's where we're at today, friends. I want you to know that that's where it has to be at today. And this last point that I wanna make, before I make it, just hear me say this. This point is not to be made at the exclusion of anyone. Please hear me. This statement, this next thought, is not to be made at the exclusion of anyone, but I know in my heart that this is so important for renewal, and renewal requires a priority on training and releasing the young. It's so important, friends. Why is it that this room is full of people today, 99 years into the journey? Because the priority has remained on the young. That's why. That's why, because young people are on the cutting edge of culture, they're on the cutting edge of uh, ministry, they're the ones that are in the trenches, they're the ones that are forming the thoughts of the future and some of what we're reaping right now in our culture is because young people were taught stuff when we weren't paying attention and now it's come into law and now it's coming into prominent culture and this is why we need to rescue a generation we got to speak to a generation, friends. We've got to train and release a generation. Let me give you a few stats, but before I do, let me give you where we land on this and why I'm bringing it up within the context of our story. Because here's what it says. As they began the work in verse 8, it says, They appointed Levites, 20 years old and older, to supervise the building of the house of God. Now, you go like, thanks for that, Andy. That's great. But what's the significance? I'll tell you the significance. The significance is that the law before this was that you had to be 30 to minister to the house of God. The Numbers chapter 30 will tell you that the Levites have to be 30 years old before they can do their work. And I'm telling you that in a renewal time, we gotta drop the age. We need all the help we can get. Amen? Amen. We need to drop the age. Why? Because God can help those young people do something amazing. And I really believe this with all my heart, that we're supposed to be a house that trains and releases young people like never before in our history. And I want you to know that I was the youth pastor here for many years. I worked with young adults here for many years. And I want you to know it's harder now than it ever was. Man, I used to put up a wrestling rink and give away an old car, and we'd have hundreds of kids show up. Now it is just a different day. I'm telling you, it's harder to minister to youth these days. It's that, you know, all that technology stuff. It's the social media and the interweb and all those things. Truth is, is, it's not the same day as it once was, and we have to put a priority here. We have to put a priority here because churches that don't prioritize the next generation die. And how many of you can say with me with confidence, not on my watch, not on my watch, we're gonna bless the next generation, we're gonna help them. Listen, let me just encourage you a little bit with some stats because these are real. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among those 15 to 34. Between 2009 and 2019, which is a 10 year window, Hospitalizations due to mental illness among young people went up 60%. 60%. Beyond that, there are more opioid overdoses than there are car accidents in Canada. And I want you to know the fastest growing population requiring hospitalization due to opioid overdose are Canadians ages 15 to 24. We got to rescue a generation. How many of you know God wants a different storyline for this next generation? And I just believe with all my heart that God is calling us and and we're developing a, a strong strategic plan to reach young people. We are deepening connection and relationship. We're hiring staff at our West Shore campus. We're doing a number of specific things. Right now, we're prioritizing the youngest by by moving our our, uh, preschool. That's all the work that's being done back here. That's why you can't use those washrooms anymore. It's all being remodeled right now. Why? Because we're committed. We're committed to the next generation. Those rooms are going to be full in Jesus' name. We're making our our preschool area larger, and I believe it's going to be full because there's a harvest coming. It's time for renewal. Beyond that, I believe God's calling us back to a, a full internship where we train and empower young people to lead. A full internship. Every one of our programs along the way, from youth through to young adults and onto adulthood, and I also want you to know, seniors, I've got a vision for those of you that are retired and still got some gas in the tank. The truth is, is we just gotta get on mission. We gotta get moving, and we gotta prioritize the next generation because God wants to do something tremendous with them. I I believe that phase three will be the preschool classrooms. Phase four will be the upstairs. And what that's going to include is classrooms where we can train people. We need it, friends. We need classroom space so we can train people. And I wanna invite you, as as Pastor Lucas said, to get involved, give to the vision, give to Kingdom Builders. I wanna tell you a dream I have in my heart. All I can do is share it with you. (laughs) I wanna send every student on a missions trip. Because when they see the world, it changes them. I mean, can you see it with me? Can you just see the front of the room full of young people who we're sending through Kingdom Builders to the nations? I just wanted, I wanted wanted that that vision to come true. I want young people to stand here and I want to say to them, turn around and look at this congregation because they believe in you and they're sending you on your mission. That's only a dream in my heart because it's gonna take some money but I believe we can do it. We can train them and prepare them and release them in new ways and God wants to help us do that. He wants to help us. We're going to rescue a generation. I'm only here because the priority of this house has been on who's next. It's the only reason why I'm standing here. We just got to keep that priority. So there's going to, there needs to be young people on the stage. We need to be a gracious congregation when we're training young people to hold a microphone and share a word or speak or or host, or pray. We need to be champions of the vision. Say, great job, you're amazing. Because someday they will be. This is just really kind of awkward because my lip won't stop quivering. And sorry about that. But I want to share a passage that, that was really what struck me right now is as the close. And it's Ezra 3, verses 10 to 12, because this is where they've, they've just laid the foundation and, and they just want to celebrate along the way. And that's kind of where we're at. We're not finished, but this is worth celebrating what God has done and where we're at. And so it says this, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord... The priests in their vestments with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph with cymbals took their place to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, he is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. That's like what we were singing earlier today. Great are you, Lord. Lord. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was, was laid. Listen to this. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept out loud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid while many others shouted for joy. Do you see the picture here, friends? There's some real sadness about what we've lost. I think for some of you even here, you're thinking about the church that you've loved and the name that it held and now it's changing. I just imagine those older people that were there looking at the foundation and they must've been 80, 90 years old really because they'd been in, they'd been carried off to Babylon for 70 years and they looked at the foundation and they said, "This." This isn't how it used to be. This isn't the way it used to look. These aren't the noble stones that Solomon used to build the temple. You've just put the rubble back together. And there was a sense of great comparison to what what once was. And so there was no joy, only weeping in what is. But the other is so true as well. There was all these young people. They never saw the old temple. They lived as captives their whole life. And now they've put this thing together and they're like, look at what we're doing. God's doing something. Look at that. And verse 13 says something interesting. It says that you couldn't distinguish between the shouts of joy and the weeping, but it was all heard a long way away. And I got to say, as a 48-year-old man, I stand here and I feel that tension even inside of me. It's not like it used to be. It's not like it used to be. I, I too miss what was. But if I'm not careful, I'll miss what God's doing now. If I compare it to the past, and here's one thing I know, comparison kills joy. If you're comparing, you've got no joy but the joy of the Lord is your strength. You need it, because we've got to rebuild. So friends, we've got to make a decision. We've got to make a decision. Let's go ahead and mourn the past. Let's mourn what's been lost. But let's also just at some point realize that God is doing something now. And let the young build. Let them rejoice. Give them an opportunity Let them put the stones back together because God will give them a vision for it and it'll be beautiful. It will be beautiful. So I want to pray today with you. Before I do, I want to give you one last image. It's kind of like being on a trapeze. (laughs) It sounds terrifying, doesn't it? It's totally terrifying. And you're swinging on this trapeze. And you know the truth is the only way to lay hold of what's next is to let go of what I have. And so I have to let go so that I can take hold. And I really believe that that image is for us, church. Let's let go so that we can lay hold. Because God certainly is up to something. Amen? I want to pray, and here's what I'd like to do. As a, just kind of a symbol of a larger group that aren't here. I'd like for everybody who's under 30 to stand to your feet for just a moment. Because we want to honor you. I know that's going to feel a little awkward, but you go ahead. Stand up. Come on, guys. Stand up. Under 30s. Stand up. Stand <laughs> up. Some of you have, some of you men have better beards than I could ever grow and you're under 30. You have muscles on your earlobes and I'm falling apart here. It's easy to hate you, but I'm choosing to love you. You know what, I want you to see, I want you to see the seeds. God is up to something. There's passion in these people. God's putting his heart in them. And they just represent a piece of this large body of young people and children. There's so many kids downstairs and in our preschool upstairs. And we want to bless them all in Jesus' name. We've got some in the media room who are actually on our team. And Adrian, who's running the video for those of you watching online or the audio. And these are people who love passionately. And I just want to speak to you, young people. Dream a dream. Let God have your life. Remember that if you surrender your life to him, he will use you in such a powerful way. This is your time. God wants to do something with your life. And we believe that. And we, Coastline Church, are with you. We believe in you. So do something and make a difference. So now alongside of all of these and in support, could we as a church body just stand? Let's stand together and let's pray. I wanna pray for them and I wanna pray for you. So join me, you can extend a hand, you can bless them. Uh, today as we pray and, and, and so God we thank you in Jesus name for every young person in the house for every beautiful gifted and called young person that is here today we pray in the name of Jesus that you would bless them Lord bless them call them to a new work in Jesus name call them to be carriers of your light and of your mission into this world anoint them Lord Lord God, today we build an altar with them and we do it because we choose not to be afraid of people but to act in the fear of the Lord. And so in Jesus' name, may this be a place of surrender and sacrifice where we say, God, whatever you want, I'm willing to do it. Take my life and use me. In Jesus' name, we pray for our children, Lord, that you would bless them. Lord, we we pray for Bryn and for Steph and for Lucas, who represent our youth ministry team. And we pray, our young adult team, we pray that you would bless them, give them creativity and fresh ideas. And Lord, a great harvest in their days of ministry ministry. We pray blessing over children, over our kids team, all of those that are working down there for Sam and for Kirsten and for Kirsty and for Tiff. And we pray your blessing over them in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray that you would multiply the fruit of young people. Oh God, even right now, set your passionate call upon lives and hearts today. And now for all of us, Lord, we pray that you would allow us to be A surrendered people, a re-surrendered people. Send not only renewal, but revival. And God, I just know that as soon as we say, it's not about me, it's about what you want to do, Lord, that you'll be free to work. And so we relinquish the, the right to have things our way. And we say in Jesus' name, God, have your way and move in your church and reach your city and your island. We're here and we want to be a part of it, Lord. So thank you for your call on every life and especially, Lord, we bless the young people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.